Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts, and today we are in Psalm 90. What an amazing chapter of the Bible. We're going we're gonna to go through it verse by verse today. I am calling this sermon 100 Years From Now. Why am I calling it this? Because, friends, the things that we worry about, the things that we stress over, our bills, things like debt, things like grudges that we don't let go of, bitterness that we hold on to, so many things in this life, they are not going to matter 100 years from now. The Bible teaches us what does matter. And we're going to look at that today on this episode of Awakened to Grace. Let's go to Psalm chapter 90 today. I'm so excited to share with you out of this psalm, only 17 verses but what mighty verses they are. And I have many things for you to take notes today if you are a note taker. If you miss some things, don't worry about it. Go back online. Get it later. Psalm chapter 90. And uh, I want to call today 100 years from now. 100 years from now. From now, how old will you be a hundred years from today? <laughs> I hear some, ooh. <laughs> My thought today is 100 years from now. August 28, 21, 22. If you're going to take notes, please note this. This psalm is one of the most intriguing to me of all the Psalms. Why? Because it is a Psalm of Moses. It is the only Psalm in the book of Psalms written by Moses. This is a prayer of Moses. And you know, if anyone I think is worthy of study, worthy of modeling our life after, it is Moses. I've been so intrigued all week with Moses because I've always been intrigued with him, but particularly this week because, you know, it was Moses that wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. Do you know that it was Moses who God counted as such a close friend that God actually spoke to Moses face to face as a friend? Do you remember he saw God's glory on Mount Sinai? And the glory of God shone on him so much he had to wear a veil. Do you remember he would go to the tent of meeting and meet with the Lord to get direction? Wow. Moses had a remarkable relationship with God. He truly was God's man. And God revealed the entire creation account to Moses. My daughter who was baptized today, Piper, she's in the sixth grade. She asked me to help her with her homework this week, and it's Christian curriculum, and it was on the creation account versus evolution. And they made a point that I had never personally thought of, and they were talking about cavemen and grunting and not having the ability to communicate, and they were talking in the curriculum, what a slap in the face that is to God the Creator 
who created Adam and Eve with the ability to think and to speak and to make choices. What an insult to God Almighty, the Creator. And you know, I was telling Piper while we were doing the homework, I was telling Piper, you know, Evolutionists, they laugh at Christians because we take by faith God's word. And we take by faith God as creator of all things. But don't ever let a secular evolutionist laugh at your faith. Because you know what? It takes just as much faith to believe in evolution. Just as much, if not more, in my opinion. And they'll say, oh, but there are many proofs and we have, we have all of this evidence and what it is, it's all circular reasoning. A good evolutionist will say, well, it's a fossil. Well, what makes it a fossil? It's millions of years old. Well, what makes it millions of years old? It's a fossil. But what makes it a fossil? It's millions of years old. But what makes it that? It's It's chasing your tail. It takes more faith to believe in random, by chance, than to believe in an almighty God who is an intelligent designer. More faith. And I told Piper, don't ever let anyone, anyone laugh at your faith. Amen. I want to know what Moses thinks because it's Moses who gave us the creation account. Moses was the original creationist. And I believe God showed it to him. Depend for all of humanity, for all of time. And let me tell you Satan's playbook. Do you know why he wants your children to believe in evolution? Do you know why he has targeted this generation and so ingrained evolution into our schools? Because if this generation does not see God as the judge, as the creator. They'll never see him as the judge. Why will you give accountability over your life if God's not even our creator? Do you see what a lie from the pit of hell that it is? So Moses gave us the original creation account. Moses is the one who tells us about the Garden of Eden. Moses is the one who tells us about Adam and Eve. He tells us about the period of creation. It's fascinating. I want to know what he has to say more. You know, I want to do a series one day on Genesis because what a history book it is. And I want to do a a series one day. I want to start it out with the title, Can You Believe That? Can you believe it? With a question mark. Really, can can you believe the Tower of Babel? Can you believe Noah's Ark and the flood? Can you believe these things? But I want to end it with the same statement, only with an exclamation point. Can you believe it? Because it's the history of redemption, amen? It's God's history, not ours to tamper with, not ours to think up in our own imagination. It's God's history. So right off the bat, it tells us, verse number one, this is a prayer of Moses, a man of God. I don't know about you, that just, puts a, that just puts a chill down me. He was a man of God. And let me, who, let me tell you who I want to learn from. I want to learn from this man of God. Now, what does he say? 
Verse number one, this is a prayer of Moses, a man of God. And he says, he prays, he says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in every generation. Now, before we go further, I want you to note this. He's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our dwelling place. If you are sensitive to the psalm throughout, I believe verses 6 and 7, and I believe verse 11, you will note the wrath of God through this psalm. Why does Moses constantly note the wrath of God? You know why? Because Jesus Christ, our dwelling place, was the propitiation for sin. He had the wrath of God poured out on him. And like a sponge, he absorbed the wrath of God, the penalty of our sin. He absorbed it on the cross. He took our wrath. And now he is indeed our dwelling place. See, this is why Jesus said, take note of this. John chapter 5, verse 46. Jesus said, had you believed Moses, then you would believe in me. For Moses wrote about me. He is our dwelling place from generation to generation. Why? Because according to Hebrews, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Ever. He is eternity past. He is eternity present. And thank God he is eternity future. He ever lives to make intercession on our behalf. Amen. Amen. This is about Jesus. Verse number two. The original creationist Moses is going to tell us. Before the mountains were made. Before the earth and the world was formed. You were everlasting to everlasting God. Oh, I love that. Friends, what that means is that God is indeed the creator. And St. Augustine made a very interesting observation here centuries ago. St. Augustine said, note, he is not God from age to age. Implying that God was and God will be. No. He is everlasting to everlasting, which simply means God is. And he always has been and he always will be. God is from eternity past to eternity future. There is no beginning and there is no ending. That's why he's Alpha and Omega. Amen. He is everlasting to everlasting. What fascinating thoughts. And Moses, who gave us the creation account, oh, he's going to teach us so much in this psalm about God. Now, I want you to note this. There, in this psalm, what, what I want you first to draw from, we're going to see the biblical view of God and the biblical view of humanity. As soon as he says, God is from everlasting to everlasting. As soon as he teaches that God is the creator before the mountains, before the earth itself were formed, God created all things. God existed in eternity past. Now he's going to put us, humanity, in the right perspective. And look at verse 3. What does he do? He returns man to the dust. You know what Moses is saying? We have a clear beginning. We have a clear ending. But God is everlasting to everlasting. Do you see the difference? Verse number four, he's going to shift back to our eternal view of the sovereignty of God. And what does he say? Verse number four, 
A thousand years in your sight is as one day that's past. Or a watch in the night. Now, is that not an extraordinary thought? God is outside of time and he does not live in time the way you and I do. No, he is the creator of time and he lives outside of it. He exists outside of it. And 1,000 years to the Lord is just like last night. How fascinating. Is it no wonder, could this be where Peter got 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8? Do not overlook this fact, beloved, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Could that be where Peter learned this? You know where else I think Peter may have learned it? Do you remember on the Mount of Transfiguration with the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you remember who appeared to the disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration? Moses and Elijah. And according to the Gospels, they talked about eschatology, end times things. And I wonder if Peter didn't learn from Moses himself. One day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Isn't that fascinating? What is Moses doing in this great prayer in Psalm 90? He is giving us an extremely clear view of God and an extremely clear view of humanity. Now what is he going to say in verse 5? When it comes to humanity, what are we like? We're like a flood. We're swept away. We're like a dream. It doesn't last long. We're like blades of grass. Verse 6, it will flourish in the morning time, but it will wither and fade by the evening time. In other words, we don't last. In other words, we are not sovereign. In other words, we are not God. Although many people act like it today, right or wrong. How interesting. Verse number 8, he goes on to distinguish the difference between God and man. And verse number 8, notice what it says, that all of our secret sins, they are exposed in the presence of God's light. Right now, you're holding on to secret sin. Don't you think for a moment God doesn't know it? Your spouse may not know it. Your co-workers may not know it. Your pastor may not know it. You may have your phone so locked down that no one can access your phone. But let me tell you, your secret sins will be exposed in the light of God's presence. He knows all about it. You are not God. You are but dust. You're not God. You're but a dream. You're like a flood. You're like a blade of grass that is here today and it will be gone tomorrow. James says we're like a mist. We're like a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow. What is the point, Chad? The point, C.S. Lewis really got it right when he said back in the 40s, he got it right when he said ancient man had a different view of God than today's modern man. In the ancient times, it was God who was on the judge's bench. And it was humanity that was down in the dock. But modern humanity has reversed the role. It is now man on the judge's bench. And it is God down in the dock. Well, let me assure you, my friend, that doesn't hold up to Scripture, does it? 
That may be the world's view. That may be the secular view. That even might be your view. But it's not truth today. God is still on the bench. He is still everlasting to everlasting. And you and I are a blade of grass. You and I are a dream. You and I are swept away like a flood. You and I will return back to the dust. We are not God. So where's the good news, Chad? Verse number 10. Man lives to 70 years, if by some reason of strength, 80 years. And even in those handful of decades, that is the lifespan of us and that brevity of life. See, that's what verses 3 through 11 really is all about. It's about the brevity of life. Verse 2 is about the eternity of God, the eternal nature of God, everlasting to everlasting. Verses 3 to 11 is about the brevity of humanity. And Moses says... That our lifespan may be 70 years, if by reason of strength, 80 years. But those handful of decades are filled with trial and trouble. Toil and trouble. So what's the good news, Chad? Well, the good news comes in verse number 12. I love this verse. This verse really became real to me several weeks ago. Sadie was going to take the kids somewhere, like to a, a big water park or something like that. And Hudson, my five-year-old, he was so excited. And we were like a week away from doing it, whatever. And he started counting down his days. And that little five-year-old, we'd get in the car every morning and he would go, Mom, is it five days now? And the next day, Mom, is it four days now? Mom, is it three days now? And by about the second day, you know, I'd be amused because he would get turned around a little bit. And, you know, he, but he's learning to count them. And the Holy Spirit really spoke to my heart. And the Lord said, Chad, you would be wise to number your days too. You got a lot to learn with Hudson. Learn how to number your days. Why? Okay, follow my thinking, all right? Let's pick apart verse number 12. Notice, first off, it says, so, I love that word, so. In other words, here's the conclusion. Here's what he's building up to. Here's the purpose for verses 1 through 11. Here is the conclusion. So, teach us. Just stop right there. You ought to circle that whole phrase. Here is Moses, who the Bible calls the meekest man who ever lived. And what is Moses saying? Moses is showing such a heart of humility that he says, God, teach me. Can you follow his logic? Can you follow his pattern of thinking? God, if I am but a flood swept away, if I'm going to return to dust, God, if all I am is a dream, if I'm a blade of grass, I'm here today, I'm gone tomorrow, then God, I want you who is eternal. I want you who is from everlasting to everlasting. Teach me, God, how to live. Don't let me live in my own wisdom, in my own understanding, in my own thinking. Don't let me live in my sin. Don't let me live in my foolish choices. Teach me, God, how to live. Whew. 
Teach us, Lord. Can you hear the humility in that? Oh, let me ask you something. Are you someone that you know it all? Are you someone you always have the answer? Are you someone you're always the smartest person in the room? Are you someone that no one can tell you? Because you already know. That's arrogance. That's the height of man's pride. No, you should be like Moses and humble yourself down and say, Lord, teach me. Can we say amen? amen. Teach me, Lord. I don't want to be Mark Twain one time famously said. <laughs> he said at age 14, I couldn't believe how dumb my father was. By the time I turned 21, I found out my father knew everything. And he said, I can't believe how much the man learned in seven years. <laughs> Are you teachable? Can the Holy Spirit teach you? Can the Holy Spirit instruct you? You know, before we studied in detail the seven churches of Revelation, I would read those passages where Jesus would rebuke the church. And in my humanity, in my frailty, in my immaturity, I would read that and I would think, Jesus, could you not give your church a break? They're doing the best they could. They lived in pagan lands. They suffered persecution. They didn't have the Christian bookstores. And they didn't have oodles of copies of God's word. Most congregations probably did good even if they had a page of the word. Could you not have cut them some slack? And as the Lord matured my faith and as the Lord matured me, now I join and I say, oh God, give me all of your encouragement, but also, Lord, give me all of your correction. Give me all of your rebuke. Give me all of your reproofs. Show me, God. Teach me. You get a heart that says, teach me. And you're on the path to spiritual maturity. Teach me to what? To number my days. You know what I find interesting in the Bible? I find it interesting that overall, the Bible does not teach us to measure our life by years. You really don't see the Bible teaching birthday celebrations or anniversary celebrations. Not to say those things are wrong. They're not. But here's what I think Scripture would correct us in. I am concerned that in our culture, because we measure by the year. You know what I think many times happens to our culture? The years slip through our fingers. We get bitter at somebody. We don't forgive someone and two years turns into five. Five into seven. And all of a sudden, it's been a decade that you've held on to bitterness. And years have slipped right through your fingers. You get callous toward the Lord. You get apathetic. You get lazy on the Lord. And all of a sudden, 
two, three months of missing church turns into half a year, which turns into two years, which turns into five years. And before you know it, you're completely out of church and away from the Lord. Why? Because time slipped through your fingers. If you enjoy the daily broadcast of Awaken to Grace, then I want to invite you to subscribe to our podcast. You can get our podcast wherever you get your favorite shows. Simply search Awaken to Grace Weekly Sermons.